You're listening to the Wrestling Change My Life podcast. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's it's five percent of the ingredient it pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me taught me humility nothing can hit humble you more than wrestling i think it's the learning to adapt right you learn you learn how to adapt you learn how to solve problems you know if i look back my time i spent wrestling if it gave me one thing more than anything else it's mental toughness ladies and gentlemen we've done it it's here another episode of wrestling changed my life podcast and thank you for listening. My guest today is Topher Carton, who was a national qualifier for the Iowa Hawks. And before that was a four-time state finalist and three-time state champ. I've known Topher for a long time, had the privilege of coaching him back when he was in eighth grade and for a couple years after that. Before we get into it, my guest of the week goes to Tristan Finch, who's a longtime friend and supporter of the podcast. Thank you, Tristan. Now, without further ado, let's take you to Cedar Rapids, Iowa for this interview with Topher Carton. What's up, my brother? How are you? Hey, I'm good, man. How are you? Outstanding. Where are you at this morning? I am on my patio uh, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, drinking a cup of coffee, watching the uh, watching the cars roll by right now, and watching this <laughs> massive storm coming in. Dude, is there anything more peaceful than having a cup of coffee in the morning like that? I no, it's fantastic. Right I uh I I just started doing this bulletproof coffee with that MCT oil and like the clarified butter, and it's it's pretty life changing. I like get so much done now. I, I drink one cup of coffee and it lasts me all day, and I'm like hyper aware of everything. It's crazy. I I make it every morning. I just made it myself, dude. I love it. It's I I feel great all the time now. I was bummed because I ran and, out of I ran out of my my uh, ghee. And yeah, I ran out of my MCT oil like all at the same time. So I've been just drinking regular coffee and I that felt like a bomb. not the same. It's not even no. the same. No. You uh so I I've done the MCT oil before. I started using coconut oil in the past year. Where do you get your MCT oil from? Pivy, greatest grocery okay. store in America. <laughs> well, in honor of you, I'm drinking out of my Iowa Hawkeyes coffee mug this morning. So, oh, right on, man. You're you're here in spirit, brother, in the in the windy city right now. <laughs> yeah, hey, how's Chicago treating you? Dude, I love it, man. It's uh, it's good to be so close to Tanner. We're about a mile apart, and it's so much cheaper than San Francisco. But the the weather oh, is yeah. the winter weather is a little uh, a little tricky though. Yeah, I remember that was that was cold. It was windy. It, it was hard cold, to escape man. that wind. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, no, it's freezing. Um, so it's good though. I I like being close to family and friends and all that. And I was out in California for almost five years, so 
I had I had some good times out there, obviously, but it was time for a change. So I don't know if I'll be in Chicago forever, but it's it's good for right now, at least. Uh, um, well, you're always welcome in Iowa, that's for sure. <laughs> See, my mom has an Iowa driver's license now. It's uh, she's full on Iowa. She when she talks about Iowa, it's like her child or something. Like she she talks about like the state taxes and this and that, and it's like I can't escape it, man. I cannot escape it. No, it's I I tried to escape it. It pulled me back in. I I didn't try, but so where were you at? Yeah, so after Iowa, where'd you go? So uh, I went to Oak Park River Forest High School for a year. Um, kind of, I got approached by uh, Mike Powell, uh, who's a legend in Illinois wrestling and the national wrestling scene as far as um, an athlete and a coach. Um, he reached out to me at the end of my senior year and asked me what my plans were. And I, like every graduating senior, had no plan. Um and it just kind of fell into my lap, and it was I was kind of going back between that that opportunity and a couple other ones that didn't involve wrestling. Um, and I had a professor uh, my junior or senior year, and, and uh, we had meetings about what we wanted to do with our lives and everything. It was super interesting class, and um, it was a bit one-on-one meetings, and he talked to us about. Yeah like uh um the importance of of doing what you love and being able to monetize it um and and, and not chasing that big dollar sign salary when you're when you're young and you don't have any responsibilities you don't have a mortgage you don't have kids you don't have all these things tying you down to one specific place and to, to get us out there and experience things um so that was that kind of was eye-opening and and, and he he pressed me a little bit and made me talk about what I wanted. And, and I, I talked about coaching wrestling and I talked about uh, at like a higher level elite high school, the college level. Um, and then I also talked about the business opportunities and, and he was really, really good at reading personalities and reading who, what were you excited about? And he, he straight up told me, he's like, you are not excited about these business things you talk about, but I can see that you're excited about the business opportunities of, coaching wrestling and kind of making that your own brand and, and he told me that that's what he thinks that I should chase so that with a combination of a couple other signs um, kind of just led me to take take that uh, that opportunity right away uh, and yep. it was nice it was a good it was a good opportunity for me to kind of uh, start to hone my skills as, as a coach um, under some great coaches I had Mike Powell and Paul Collins there and, and the entire Oak Park River Forest coaching staff. I met a lot of friends. Um, Nick Nelson is a, a UVA alum, and then uh, Joe Spizak is another UVA alum that that I'm still very close with. And hopefully, I need to get out, get down to uh, Austin, and go visit uh, Spizak. He went down there to, to grow his. Uh, he started a drinking game, and it's awesome. Uh, shout out to okay. Dicey, by the way, Joe Spizak. Shout out, powerful. <laughs> I love yeah. the the thought of the teacher though giving you that that uh, information that like do what you love versus the money right away because I couldn't agree more with it man and sometimes it's rare to find people who support that so you what were the options that didn't involve wrestling uh, there was a, a couple medical there was a, a medical supply um, like sales position 
Um, yep. Yep. And then there was just like, just kind of general ones debating whether I was okay. going to like stay in Iowa city and, and cause I loved the area and just kind of find my way, whether it was like waiting tables or whatever I needed to do. Um, right. But it ended up working out. I, I had an opportunity to, to move forward with the sport. Um, and, and, and so after Oak Park, really, where'd you, where'd you go then? Uh, I, um, I spent a year in Oak Park, uh, kind of realized that, that there, I needed to do some other things. Um, it was a good experience, but wasn't like the perfect fit. And I was young, so I was just kind of ready to look around and see what the world has had or the country had. Yeah. So I accepted a graduate assistant position at the University of Mary out in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. And that was a change going from Chicago to Bismarck. That's for sure. Absolutely. So who, who was the coach there? How they lure you out there? And what was that experience like? Um, there was a, uh, a position they they were offering a master's degree and I need, I was going to need a, a master's degree, um, to do kind of what I wanted at, um, if I was going to teach and coach and everything. Okay. Uh, I kind of, realized after a year that I didn't really want to teach but as far as like moving forward in any coaching role everywhere I looked was like requesting a master's um, so it seemed like a good opportunity to achieve a master's and, and continue learning but also um, but also to like uh, hone my skills at a different level it was a uh, head coach out there is Adam Ajo he wrestled for uh, North Dakota State He's been the head coach. I think this is his fifth or fifth year, maybe fifth or sixth year. Um, and he's doing a, a phenomenal job growing that program out there. Actually, we, um, me and uh, uh, one of the other graduate assistants, kind of revamped the uh, the dual experience. Uh, okay. They have a big community, but we we like redesigned the floor for the home duels, and we brought like a student section out onto the floor mat side, and we put it right next to the opposing coach's like corner <laughs> um, and we had like a like a kid's section and a tunnel with smoke and it was cool because like the fans loved it they they liked good wrestling and they were loud uh we averaged about a thousand fans per duel which i mean for a small That's division a two school in north dakota yeah we had a good turnout um we only we had four or five home duels um but it was good it was good wrestling uh and and to see to see how far it's come i mean they they told stories and showed me pictures of where it's come and when when Adam Aho came on they had i think 13 guys on the entire squad and then by the end of that year they had i think 8 to 10 and then now we they, when i left they had about 35 to 40 uh guys on their roster uh wow. which is it's incredible yeah they had uh two All-Americans and three national qualifiers last year. Uh, they uh, they took Mankato down to the wire. I mean, it was like a came down to the last match sort of thing. Um, okay. It was it was fun. It was, it was a good experience. I kind of got that college coaching experience. Um, but it was just so far from home. I mean, it's, it's 12 hours one way to get back to the Quad Cities. Um, yeah. And it was it was a lot. And those winters are brutal. You think Chicago's bad, man. It was worse than here. Wicked. Yes. It's oh not like colder, but it's longer. So yeah. it, there was there was a, at least a foot of snow on the ground basically from like October to April. 
Oh my uh, god, dude, that's brutal. Yeah, but I mean, what I, I mean, I lived in the. Been, <clears throat> I was gonna say, what experience must have been though to be coaching at a college program, only your second year right out the gate? Yeah, it was um, it was interesting. I learned a lot. Uh, that's one of the big things that I learned from both Mike Powell and and Adam Aho, and then their head assistant Matthew Llewellyn, um, was relationship building and the importance of of, of not just teaching the technique but building that culture and building relationships with with both guys on the team but also like recruits and people that you want um so just kind of becoming more of a well-rounded coach rather than just wrestling all the time and, and learning technique and learning how to fight in the room and all that right right yeah i know that i was reading a book um about john wooden and he you know, he's like one of the greatest coaches ever and it, it, that's all yep. that's all they talk about is like relationships and, and how to get the best out of people and then i'm doing this documentary on dan gable that's going to come out in mid-august and i've been reading books on books on books on him and he was the same way like he was like super hard nosed but great relationship guy really funny um and knew how to get the best out of the guys so you know no doubt that's part of the the early early things you're learning and so what are you doing now back at uh, Cedar Rapids? So when I was out there, um, it kind of, and my girlfriend, uh, Kelsey, I, you've met Kelsey, right? I don't know if I, I have, actually. Yeah. Did she go to North Dakota okay. with you? Yeah, she moved to Chicago and I'm, out to North Dakota with me. I, it was, I couldn't okay. believe it. I didn't know how she didn't kill me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it got to be a lot um just because we're so far from family, we're isolated. It was actually really good, um, probably for us. I mean, as as young adults, just learning how to kind of thrive on our own. Um, but it Especially got to be a lot. So isolated out there. Yeah, um, they got it got to be a lot. So uh, before I left Chicago, I I had applied for uh, the Eastern Iowa Wrestling Club director position. Um, but I applied late in the process, and they had already made a couple offers. Um, okay. So Larry Larry Lee, Spencer Lee's dad, um, is the vice president out at Coe College. And uh, when I was out in North Dakota, and before I moved out there, they called me, and they were like, oh, man, I'm sorry. Like, like we just made this offer. We wish you would have applied sooner. So then when I was out there, he called me and was like, hey, this position might open up within the year. Uh, are you interested still And you're going to pay me some money to come back to Iowa and, and be super close to home and coach and be able to come in the Hawkeye room again. Yeah. I'm interested. Um, so I'm thinking, Oh, like I'll be able to kind of finish this year out on uh, like no problem, get through the summer or whatever, and then move back. He calls me like a week later. He's like, Hey, it's opened up. Do you want the job? Uh, so I kind of had to scramble a little bit to, wow. to get things in order and, and talk. The coach was great. Adam Ajo was phenomenal. and He, he understood it. Uh, and I, I talked to him. I was very upfront with him. And, and he told me to, to go. Uh, and it was hard to leave a lot of those guys um, just because I'd gotten to starting to get close with some of them. That's the um, but it, part for sure. It's like leaving yeah. a relationship with the guys. <clears throat> so – it was a quick move. Um, I mean, I he probably I think he called me. It was before the Division Two um, national tournament. It was uh, so that's probably what February. Yeah. 
early February. And uh, maybe late February, whatever that was. Um, I I moved into my apartment and started working on April first, so it was a it was a quick turnaround um, as far as that goes. But it's it's a good good change. Um, I really like it a lot. It's a a great mix of of kind of everything. Uh, I get to do some event planning. We just hosted Fargo Camp uh, for Team Iowa. That was awesome. Uh, I had my camp here. We had Alex Marinelli, Spencer Lee, Michael Kemmer, and Terry Brands as our clinicians. Uh, it, it, it's wow. fun to be able to kind of experience a middle ground of like the elite high school and then the college, um, where I still get that relationship building, but it's a little bit more about developing and, and having fun and enjoying, uh, the sport and, and what it can offer for a young adult or a young child. Well, I mean, it's, it is the best of both worlds because. You're also at Co College, which that's some of the best people I've ever met in wrestling. I love Coach O. Yeah, love, Coach O is the like, man. The man, dude. When Tanner was there, we had so much fun there. Like Jimmy Gatto, Clayton Rush, Ethan Ball. Like I know Clayton's not there anymore, but that's someone I'm really close with. But that's like one of the that that culture is probably the best wrestling culture I've ever been around. And and that's where the Eastern Iowa Club is at. So talk about what you're going to be doing with Co. And what what is the Eastern Iowa Wrestling Club? Is it for kids? Is it for adults? What's that look like? Not so, adults. Yeah, um, one of the uh, one of the attractions for me to this position was that they wanted me to be like a volunteer assistant for Co. I didn't really have to like go and ask. They they wanted me to do that. Uh, so it really is like you said, the best of both worlds because I get that that club coaching experience, but they're also letting me kind of wrestle and develop some of the guys as much as I can and uh, kind of learn from Coach O and Coach Gatto, who are, are phenomenal coaches. And when we talk about relationship building and culture building, they're, they're some of the best in the game. Um, so I'll be, I'll be helping out with that. Um, they let me wrestle, which is awesome because I still need to stay in shape. Um, and then the Eastern Iowa Wrestling Club is sort of an ex- extension in a way of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. It's it's geared towards like youth and uh uh elite high school wrestlers. Um okay. and, and just kind of developing them towards the next level. Um we wrestle two times a week, so folk style will be five times a week uh come September. We'll wrestle two of those days in Carver Hawkeye, which gives us kind of an elite venue advantage because i mean what what kid in iowa doesn't want to wrestle in carver hawkeye arena totally. uh, uh, so that's kind of nice and it gives me a reason to be back in the room and, and, and kind of have a little bit of nostalgia um totally <laughs> and the other yeah the other times we're we're in co uh which is a great facility they just renovated it and it is top level it's about um three or four full mats of square footage. They have three actual full mats for wrestling and then some runoff. Um, they're, they're putting a lot of money into facilities and renovating, not just athletics, but overall campus. Uh, it, it's, they're doing a great job. They got a new weight room in there for us. It's, it's great. Um, so as, as far you, as the club, yeah. If there's a kid listening to this and they're between schools in division three, you cannot find a better place than Co. I'm telling you, I love that college. I, so pumped you're no, there, dude. Yeah. It's so, so ironic you're there because it's weird. So many, yeah. Uh, is, do you talk to Ethan at all ever? Do you see him? 
Yeah, the first day I was there, I, I ran into him and he was working out. I didn't even know he was living in Cedar Rapids. And I just kind of, one of those, like, what are you doing here? And he looked at me, what are you doing here? Um, <laughs> so then uh, he ran into his locker and, and grabbed me a uh, a coat jacket and, and gave it to me my first day. So it was kind of interesting. And uh, I don't think any of the other coaches, like, realized, like, we had a, I mean, we were we were pretty close relationship. Obviously not as close as, as you guys were, but I, we wrestled in similar clubs. We were both outlaws growing up. Oh yeah. Um, so it it was it was an interesting experience just seeing him right away, and I still need to reach out to him and and go get a drink with him or something sometime soon. Oh, you got to man. He's uh he's the man. So I, so I think that he's involved there still. Yeah. Yeah yeah. So ball, if you're listening, I'm I'm working on it. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm getting that. I mean, he must have coached you and just been friends with you through the outlaw program for years. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I remember we were in the state finals together for his senior year, I believe. I think he's four years older than me, or three years. Yeah, Illinois. I think he's school, a senior. Yeah. yeah, we were in the state finals together. Um, but yeah, I I I remember him vividly. Um, and all of the antics that we used to get into it was pretty fun. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I, we were thinking, of, we were telling the story the other day where. We were dry. This is like the first year of the Outlaw Club. We were driving up to uh, not Fargo, but the one north of that for like the the for the Northern Plains. And is it Bismarck? It might be Bismarck. Is that like an hour and a half north of Fargo? It's uh, Bismarck is an like an hour and a half west, like northwest of Fargo. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if you were on this trip or not, but. Um, we I, not, I remember this trip though. Okay. So Parks, old man Parks, you know, we load up his van, like eight wrestlers. Oh man, and he's the like, van. Oh yeah, dude. He's like, I'll drive halfway. I go, no problem. Cause to your point, it's a long drive, it's like 12 hours. He yes. drives in good to, condition. Like, in good condition. He drives to Cedar Falls and calls it a day. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, like an hour. An hour, dude. <laughs> So I drive the rest of the way, and the only CD he has is Scarface, and it's just on repeat, dude. By the time I get out of that car, I'm ready to murder someone. <laughs> <laughs> and on the way back, so we get there, drive all through the night, get there like 7 in the morning, can't even check into our hotel until 1, so we're just hanging out in the parking lot. And then we have the tournament, it's like 4 or 5 days, we drive back, and we're we're so desperate to get back because it's so far away. It's like raining and we're in Fort Dodge, Iowa, and I was speeding like 25 over. I get a ticket in Fort Dodge. I got to pull over in Fort Dodge. I got a ticket. I had to drive back to like a month later because of this ticket I got driving back from the from the Northern Plains and Parks Bay. It was one of many stories out there on the road. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There there was that other one when you took us. You took me. Uh, the Chase brothers, maybe the Ryan brothers as well. We went up to somewhere in Northern Iowa for a tournament and it was, it was, uh, it was, it was a banger. I remember that one because it was just, it was you, I think Tanner, Tanner yeah. or Paul, one of the two. And we were in somebody's like black SUV Jeep type things. Uh, <laughs> that not, was not my car. Safe. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. Not safe for like eight kids in the car. No. Not no one all. has seatbelts on. No. No. And, and uh, that, I, I, that's the West Delaware tournament in Manchester. Yeah. 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 And um, I ended up, I like, I, I was up big in the finals and got headlocked and pinned and still won the tournament because I was back when the point, it was like by pool points. Yeah. Um, but I remember we had, like, I don't think anybody like won the tournament outright and went undefeated. And, uh, but we had a couple of people win the tournament. I, re- I remember the Chase brothers told you to pull over at a cornfield and they forced me out of the car and made me chuck my metal into the cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Those guys are absolute animals. Those maniacs. Yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember Drake Chase once brought a cattle prod to that tournament and would go up to people on the team because we rolled into that tournament deep. That was like one of our season opener tournaments we'd go to as a club. And yeah, I think we'd hand out gear in the parking lot at that one, and we'd roll in the thick. And um, Chase Brothers, though, Drake Chase brought a cattle prod to it and was zapping people in the stands all day. I'll never forget that. <laughs> I, yeah, I remember because I told him that if he, if he zaps me that I was going to choke him out and he might, he <laughs> might be able to – he was a little bigger than me. You might be able to beat me, but I will definitely take some chunks of you with me, man. Don't zap me with that thing. Oh, my God, dude. It's, I think I was the same way. I'm like, don't even bring that thing near me, dude. But, dude, how, uh, how insane – Tanner and I talk about this all the time. How insane were those uh, outlaw rooms back in the day when it was at, like, UT and Rocky and Assumption, dude? Oh, let's go. Let's go way back to the real origins at Jordan North in that – in that storage closet of a classroom where we oh had to split the God. club in half because we could only have six guys wrestling at a time. You remember that? Yeah. I mean, folks, he's not kidding. This was a classroom at an old Catholic school. Building has to be out of code. I don't even know. How oh, it, yeah. How they they condemned right. it. They condemed it. It's, Did they, they? They don't have classes there. Yeah, it's condemned. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so they condemned this thing. The wrestling room was literally a classroom where you could fit maybe a, a third of a mat in there. It, it was, so it was yeah, it was a storage classroom, right? Isn't that what it was? Yeah, it was. And then the 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 wall mats were uh, styrofoam, pink styrofoam that were glued to the walls. And, and they uh, didn't cover the the steam heaters. They had those old like 1920 steam heaters in there. Oh my God, that's right. And if you bumped it, it would burn the shit out of you. Yeah, and, and Kevin used to Kevin DeFries used to put our our backs up against it and make his hand fight off the heaters. <laughs> oh my God, that guy! I just saw him recently at Tony's wedding, and we were wrestling the whole time. My girlfriend's of like, "Of course, what's wrong with you people?" <laughs> <laughs> we actually sat with but, your uh, with your mom and dad. We were watching a Final X on my phone the whole time, and some people weren't. Oh, playing. that sounds about right. That sounds yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. Uh, I didn't get to make it back for that one. I forget what I had going on that weekend. I think I had to work. It was a good time though. But um, but no, dude, those those that was the first wrestling room, and it was it was very neat. Uh, how many people do you think you could fit in there? Ten. At the most, because I remember we had we had our that was when you were helping with with the junior pioneers, and, and we had to split the team in half. Right, exactly. Like exactly. Was, that was my first experience with you, Louis. Uh, Louis yeah. called me in the in the fall, and he's like, "Yo, I'm coaching this middle school team. Do you want to be an assistant?" I go, "Sure." 
and uh, yeah. had no idea what I was getting into. I meet all these people. I meet you, Parses, the Freeze, um, Georgian, Georgian. Yep, yep. And before you know it, dude, we had before you know it, we had Parks wrestling for all men at like the Sterling Middle School tournament. And I'm like, how does this work? He doesn't even go to school here. <laughs> yeah, they weren't happy about that, and they wouldn't let. Do you him remember wrestle, that? So. We went yeah, to Sterling tournament. And they were wrestling yeah, they for us. they they didn't let his let him wrestle. I think it was maybe Dixon had a couple of guys and they wouldn't wrestle him. So we yeah. me I think me you and the Parks brothers and and uh, Mr. Parks and my dad drove back to Holland and worked out after that because they wouldn't wrestle us. I didn't know that story. Yeah, that was those those were the that was the wild west, man. Um, what was it? So. So you went on to have a one of the best high school careers in Quad City history. Um, what was it like going to the Iowa room? And like, what are some of those training stories for the for the folks who who could only imagine what it's like in there? Um, it was uh, humbling. Um, you go in and you're coming from the Quad Cities, and, and you were pretty successful growing up, and, and you realize that. Um, everybody else in the room is as successful or more successful than you and is bigger, meaner, and tougher because they've been there longer. Um, so it was it was a humbling experience and a probably good for me uh, just to kind of learn a little bit about myself. Um, I remember my first my first workout, Morningstar called me. I was still in, in high school, and uh, I was leaving that day to go on a vacation with the girl I was dating in high school. And, um, he called me up and said, hey, why don't you come to Iowa City and we'll get a workout in. And he put me through this kettlebell warm-up and then, like, some rope climbs. And I thought that was the workout. I <laughs> I made it through the kettlebell warm-up and climbed a rope. And he goes, all right, go climb a horizontal rope. And it, like, ripped my hands open because I had dishpan hands from being in high school. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, we're done. He goes, all right, grab a drink. We're going to head to the weight room. And I my stomach hit the floor. Um, no way. Yeah. Uh, my hands are bleeding. I got blisters on my shins from climbing ropes because I was wearing ankle socks like an idiot. Um, and, and made it through that. And I had like blisters on my fingers from the dumbbells and big cuts on my hands. Uh, and I was, we were going to Kentucky and I was going fishing. So I had like gauze and tape all up on my hands so I could hold my, Literally gauze my and rod tape? and reel. Yeah, that's like it was. I like put gauze on there because it was like an open wound. I had to put when I when I left, I put gauze and tape and like antibiotic cream on my hands for like a week until it healed. Wow. So so then I was like fishing with it. Um, but that was my first experience, and I was just like, okay, here we go. Um, uh, but I I was pretty lucky. Um, I traveled around to different rooms a lot, uh, and I I went down to. Medlin and TJ's club, TJ Williams, um, yeah. with George in a couple times a week. And when I told him, told TJ that I was going to Iowa, he pulled me aside and, and he told me that, that there's going to be days where you feel like you don't belong and that you feel like you can't do it. Um, and the days that you feel like that and you go back for the more are the days that you get better. Those are the days that, that you improve as an individual and as a wrestler. Um, so going in with that kind of advice and mindset, um, was very helpful. Uh, I I don't know if I like having the mentors that I did. 
I was lucky. If I didn't have those mentors, I definitely see how people uh, kind of give up and and hang it up and and can't do it anymore. Um, right. But I was lucky but, enough to to have people like you and people like like Jurgens and and TJ and and Pete and, and Weatherall and all those guys in my life to kind of shape my mindset to to keep moving forward. Well, I'm humbled, brother, to even be mentioned in the same breath as those guys because it was a lot of fun and I learned just as much from you as I did as maybe I taught you. So, no, that, I appreciate that. Um, dude, I was looking at, speaking of TJ Williams, I was looking at the Iowa record books literally just yesterday doing some research and that guy was 98 and one at Iowa. <laughs> yeah, he was the truth. Dude, I, he went to, uh, junior college first at a school in California where a lot of, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of good guys would go. I think it was called Lindenwood. And, um, yeah, dude, 98 in a one. It's only lost to the semis of the nationals this junior year. And I, is he still doing that club down there? Um, I think so. Uh, I, I, I've, his, he's got some family stuff going on, but I know that he's, uh, I mean, I still see the TJ train t-shirts. And I always go up to everybody I see it and be like, I know that T-shirt. Right, uh, right. So I think he's still doing it. And uh, Medlin was there with him, and they're, 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 he ran the Greco part of it. But now Medlin's at the University of Illinois. So I'm not sure if it's just freestyle there or not right now. I mean, that's a guy who Medlin just grinded and worked his way up, dude. Like went from no. being, you know, definitely a Greco specialist, then becomes the head coach at a school re- really no one's ever heard of, Washington. Then they become a powerhouse. And then he goes on to be the Illinois RTC coach. Like, that's an incredible coaching story. Yeah, and, and he's one of the best coaches I've ever experienced. I mean, he's he's up there. Uh, really? He, he helped me a lot. Yeah, I mean, just from a mindset standpoint of, of how to compete, uh, and just his, his technical side of freestyle and Greco is, is unbelievable. I, I went to a, um, the Fresh Soft State Tournament, and he had a freestyle clinic, and I was, like, pen and paper writing stuff down still. Wow. I got to get that guy on, man. I'd love to talk to yeah, him. Yeah, do you, do you know him? He, uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, okay. Because I, I, I wrestled for him a little bit, um, and then Washington was, was real tight with uh, Oak Park. Um, so we went oh, to yeah, his because camp. And, uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We, I, I, I actually wrestled in his Greco camp because I wanted to learn some Greco, and it was, it was phenomenal. It was one of the best wrestling camp experiences I've ever had. And that I had to be awesome, dude. Three. Yeah, yeah it was you've a good been, time. You've been through a lot already, and then you were still learning from there. Um, yeah. So when was that Morningstar workout? Like the spring of your senior year? Um, late spring, early summer of my senior year. Okay. So when did you get there? Like you check into the dorms and you have your first workout, like the wrestling team workout. How early is that? And what was that like? Uh, so I, I actually, um, I worked part time, um, with my dad when he was working in in the weld shop. Um, I worked part time there of probably about 20 to 30 hours a week. And then they let me leave early three times a week to drive up to Iowa city and, and go through their summer training camp. Um, so those, that was kind of my first introduction as far as wrestling 
at Iowa was the summer camps. Um, and it, it was, uh, it was humbling. I, anybody that, that only for in, freshmen or no, it's the whole team. It's like their, their summer training camp. So they have their, the Iowa wrestling camps for the, the youth kids going on. Yeah. And then in the off hours, they'll have a club, the hockey wrestling club practice where all the college guys go. And, um, yeah, anytime, basically anytime that I didn't wrestle another incoming freshman, um, I did not, not that I didn't score point. I didn't sniff a takedown for at least three months. Wow. Um, yeah, it was brutal. And, uh, I talked to, to Jurgens about it. Cause, like, somebody's got to know what I'm going through. Um, and he, he's like, yeah, we all go through, I call it the darkness. He says that it's like between three and six months that, those incoming guys will struggle whether it's like they can't score or they're not having as much success as they would. Um, and then after that three to six month window, you start to come, he calls it coming out of the darkness and you're changed. You're, it's like, like gladiator training. You're, you're hardened to battle. Um, so that like any, if I was to give some advice to anybody going through the college program right now and or going into one, uh, that, the, mm-hmm. that, freshman season's coming up is to just keep keep grinding don't get discouraged um and and just keep moving forward keep getting better focusing on on positive things uh um what you're doing well and where you can improve um and, and try not to dwell on the negative aspect of just getting your butt whipped day in and day out because uh, that's going to happen it happens to everybody oh 100 i mean i can't even imagine dude how humbling that must be and then so what <clears throat> What year did you crack into the lineup as a full-time starter? Junior and senior? Oh, yeah, so I was – I was like my, A little bit your junior year. Most of my the red, my red shirt sophomore year, I wrestled a couple duels. Um, just kind of as like they, – they took me to all the all the duels and stuff. I was the, a backup for Josh Java. Um, okay. Which was, which was a good experience. I kind of learned how to travel. I kind of learned – how to get myself ready for for duels um and it had to have been frustrating for java because i took it super serious and um i in my head i was wrestling every single match um yeah but that's what they wanted um but look like i could definitely see how it might have been frustrating for java because he knew he was the starter and, and he was a bad dude but uh yeah my red shirt i know that yeah that dude is tough he's trying pa right yeah, yeah, he's actually. I think he's coaching out at Drexel now. I think he's the assistant out there. Yeah. Um, and then so my redshirt junior year, um, I actually I had a couple notes written out, but this is one of the um, kind of adversity topics. Uh, we talked about some things you want to talk about, and uh, I actually was in a battle for the lineup my redshirt junior year with my high school teammate Brody Grothis. Um and it was it was tough. Because uh, I I felt like I was the best guy. He felt like he was the best guy, um, and we never had an official wrestle off for that that spot. Um, and it was one of those times where I'm sure you felt it. Something that you really care about. And you've been working really hard for, and you can feel it slipping through your fingers. Um, yeah, it was it was demoralizing and stressful. Uh, but again, what like, time of the year did to, it? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, yeah, you're good. What time did they figure it out? Yeah, like what time of the year did you think like you realized like this probably isn't going to go my way this year? 
Um, I was on weight for the Big Ten weigh-ins in Iowa State. Oh, my God. That late in the year? They told us to both be ready to make weight. And I'm like, I'm in. Let's do it. I'm, I'm game. Um, a couple weeks before that, I kind of had a feeling that it wasn't going to be that way. Um, but, I mean, maybe wow. a week, maybe two weeks at the most. But, I was, I mean, I was ready to wrestle. I was down to weight. I came in on it was like 130 or 140.8 or something like that. I walked in the doors. And I sat in the wrestling room until until Grothis came back from weigh-ins, and then I was like, "All right, now I can, I'm good, I'm done." Wow. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was an experience, and, and we actually split a lot of matches. We probably split close to half the matches. We'd go on road trips, and he'd wrestle one, and I'd wrestle one. And, uh, and, and you know, it's my fault. There was I remember there was a match against Nebraska where that was my chance to make a statement, and. Um, I got taken down for four points right away, taken down on my back two and two. Um, and I battled back and then I got a late takedown and I cut the guy and rushed the takedown and dove in on a leg and he ended up winning by one. Um, and had I won that match, I, I, who knows speculation, you know, I might've been the guy. Um, but I, I don't hold anything against growth. If he did what he had to do, I don't hold anything against, against commentaries and they, they're trying to win and, they did what they felt was best. Um, and I think that while that was hard for me mentally, I think it brought us closer and as far as like me and commentary um, because they could tell that I was hurting um, and, and that they wanted to like show their appreciation in a way. And um, uh, they, they, they pulled me aside and were kind of talking to me and, I stopped and I was like, hey, man, like, don't worry about it. it. It is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. You just let's move forward. Let's focus on the future. I had one more year left, and I wanted to, to make the most of it. And, and, and I think that kind of spoke volumes to them as far as my commitment to, to what I was trying to do. That's a great story. So what, what did they say? I mean, a great story in terms of, like, your, how mature you were, like, mentally to handle that at that time. So, like, what did they say to you? when they brought and they noticed you were kind of down and like, what's it like having those one-on-one conversations with them about something like that? It's very much like a father figure. Um, everybody likes to think that they're robots and, and they're just intense and only like to talk about wrestling, but it's not true. Um, I, Tom and Terry are some of the most loving individuals I've ever experienced in my entire life. Uh, so I'll have us over for holidays. I was at Terry's house on Thanksgiving day because I didn't want to go home. I wanted to be in Iowa city to train. And he had four or five, six of us over to his house on Thanksgiving Day. But um, those conversations are very individualized. They have a, they do a good job of, of speaking to the individual and not just kind of giving you jargon and what you want to hear. Um, they're honest. And and that's kind of what it needs to be in that situation. You don't want to blow smoke up anybody's butt or, or pull some punches and, and tell them something that's not true. Um, and they do a very good job of speaking from the heart. Um, but they pulled me aside, and, and it was after the after the um, national tournament, after Big Tens, and uh, Growth has had a, had a tough tournament and, and didn't make it out of the Big Tens. It was a tough weight that year, 41. Is, I mean, you know what, what Big Tens at, the, at totally. 41 is every year. is super deep. Totally. Um, he didn't make it out, and, and I think that kind of played a little bit into, into – 
the coaching staff's mind of, 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 oh, should we have done this? Should we have done that? And they were kind of talking to me that way about, well, maybe we should have wrestled you. I'm like, there's no point talking like this right now. It's stuff that's in the past. It's um, done. Yeah. It's, it's over with. So let's, let's move forward and let's, let's start working for next year. This is like, I'm training for universities at this time. I'm wrestling freestyle. He pulled me aside in the room and kind of sat me down. And I think there's, there might be an interview or two out there about, about that somewhere. I don't remember. I, I, I try not to get into it just because I love growth. This and he's, he's, was a high school teammate of mine and, and a big mentor. Yep. And, um, you know, I don't really want to talk bad about the situation at all, but I, I think that I had we wrestled off, I think I would have won. And I'm sure he thinks that he would have won. Um, but Dude, anyone we'll never who's know. competitive would think that. So that no one would even fault you for thinking that way, especially when you're at that yeah. level, man. At that point, you had been there four years because you redshirted. Now you're going into your fifth year. And like, do the workouts and the, the practice start to become normal a little bit and not as taxing on the body at a certain point? Uh, yes and no. Uh, so the, I mean, I'm trying to think of this. It was my third year. Um, I had a pretty serious foot injury. Um, I had a Liz Franck tear in, in my foot wrestling freestyle. Um, so I spent a lot of time re- rehabbing that and, uh, just trying to make sure my body sealed up. My ankles were all, I was, but at that point in my career, I was double taping, double bracing my ankles. Um, icing basically my entire body every day just to make sure I was I was healthy and like you said it was my fifth year it was my last chance um but those workouts don't ever really get normal um I think you just get more accustomed to it because uh, yeah. they, they do a very good job of continuing to develop and continuing to push you in unique ways um and that's that's uh like like for instance like uh when me and Grothus were in the battle for the spot we had a workout where I, I didn't know it at the time, but they were testing us. Um, I just thought it was a workout and we had, it was like 30 or 35 pound dumbbells that we had to hold them and carry them up and down the stairs 10 times, the, the stairs at Car Rock and without yeah. putting them down. Um, which no is way. Brutal. Up and down 10 yeah. times? With 35 pound dumbbells without putting them down. And that's like five flights, right? It's far, it, yeah, it's far, and it, uh, it gets deeper yeah. as you go. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a distance. Um, like that, like you, you don't ever get accustomed to that. They just call you up and and say, "All right, come on in, we got something for you." Um, yeah. So what's it was, the day in the life like when you're in the Iowa room, like your senior year, when you are the starter? Like, let's say it's like when mid January. Mid January, they okay. So, um. I benefited a lot. I, my, let's see, my fourth year, I moved into an apartment right across the street from, uh, Carver Hawkeye Arena. I think it was my fourth year, fourth or fifth year. Um, and that helped me a lot because when you, when you're in the lineup or you're battling for the lineup, you're basically wrestling and going to class and then wrestling and then going to class. Um, so being, yep. A three-minute walk from the locker room was, was crucial for me just from a relaxation and uh, less of a stress situation. I could always go in there. But as far as a typical day, I would get up about like 6-ish, 6.30, get some calories in me, like a yogurt. Um, that was one thing I nailed down my diet. I got my yogurt, I got my water, and then I'd go work out. 
and go either get a lift or a drill in. Um, and at this point, it was I had both Dardane's brothers there wrestling at the Hawker Wrestling Club, so they were kind of awesome guys. An, a, I mean, I don't know them, but like awesome personal coach, like crazy, oh, yeah. crazy fierce competitors. Yeah, one of them. One time we were wrestling, one of them double legged me and teed me into the pole. That was an experience. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when you did these but, morning uh, workouts, would it be like, would Tom be there? Or would it just be by yourself? Would anyone be in the room? Like, what was the atmosphere like? So I got into a group. Um, I, I, me and Terry gelled very early on, of like him as a coach. Um, and I think that might have been more like Tom was very focused on on like the top 15 top 20 guys at the time um and he's got he he got a lot better at it throughout like my my college career of focusing on the entire team and from what I talk about to the other guys now they're he's moving around the room but uh when I was there me and Terry got along really well um a lot of people don't know this but he's kind of like a like a like a Star Wars Star Trek dork like I am um so we kind of yeah, talked about that a little bit You've never, what? Either one? Never seen either one of them. Oh Not a minute of either one, brother. God, <laughs> I'm going to have to send you those videos. Uh, but no, we had a, we had a group drilling. Uh, we would lift three times a week and drill two times a week. Um, depending, sometimes it would be drill three times a week, lift two times a week, depending on the, on the lifting cycle. Uh, but it was, Terry w- would, kind of structure it a little bit and it would be uh gilman had his partner um i had my partner these were usually younger guys like second third year guys that knew how to drill but also were developing so i had Mm -hmm. my guy gilman would have his guy and there'd be probably four starters ish that were all drilling and and having that many people definitely makes it easier to go in for a 60 90 minute workout and, and get it in hard um yep but he was he was structured things um and then if you had specific things to work on uh he would come in on his own as well if you needed extra work either before or after uh and i did that a lot i was struggling a lot with like leg defense and, and down blocks and uh he analyzed it really quickly and realized that i was i was thinking too much and i was using my eyes instead of feeling um Okay. And this is I I mentioned the Star Wars stuff because uh, he knew that I was a big Star Wars nerd and um, he called it Jedi training and and uh, I I teach it still today. Uh, I learned how to wrestle with my eyes closed. Um, you'd put your hands wow. on the guy in, in position and you would wrestle with your eyes closed and you would have to feel how they were moving and and, and with your pressure forward you can feel when they're lowering their level to attack, when your attacks are there without seeing it. And it forces you to, to feel instead of think. And that's one of the phrases that he used to say to me, feel, don't think, feel. Um, so that was a big, a big movement in my development was that. And then having my eyes closed, I mentioned the Dardanes brothers and, and learning how to sprawl with your eyes closed so you can feel it. I, I would close my eyes, and this is from a distance. And they would tee off double legs on me, and I would have to learn how to float my hips off from wow. space. It was it was so frustrating for about a month until I figured it out. Dang! So you're going through all these little mini battles throughout your time there, um, all these little learning moments. Um, I just can't even imagine what it's like to be in that room. I mean, how? And then so you'd have the workouts, 
you go to class and then would you come back in to watch film and like when was practice and what was that like usually so we'd have our morning workout and then uh you'd go to class my senior year was awesome though because i was like first semester i was about 80 percent online and then my second semester i was completely online uh because i didn't have very many classes left and uh, yep. so i would go home and get my homework done and take a nap if i had time and get some get some food in me we have afternoon practice at about 3 three thirty, and i'd be drilling and hard wrestling and conditioning and everything like that um and then you'd go home and get any homework done you had or go to any meetings or any night classes and then usually there'd be a group of five six seven of us that would come back in and break a sweat and ice and kind of stretch and foam roll and recover at um, night after practice yeah, so like probably about like eight thirty nine ish, just for like thirty thirty to like probably forty five minutes to an hour, we would get break our sweat again, um, whether it was running or drilling or biking or whatever, just nice and light, and and ice and foam roll and, and recover and get all that soreness out of you, any weight mm. management you needed to do, and then was that ever by, for you there, the weight cutting? Not really, um, early on. When I was young and immature and didn't want to listen to anybody, it was. Um, but I, I really had to change my diet a lot. Uh, I was on that typical high school weight cutting diet where it's all protein. You start limiting your water, uh, not a lot of carbs. And, and the coaching staff realized early that I wasn't having energy after about an hour of the workout, which makes sense. Like if you think about it from a nutrition standpoint, you don't have any of those complex carbs to take you to that that 90, 120 minute range that you need. Um, so they actually changed my diet to about 70 to 80% carbs. It's probably about 70% carbs. Um, and then okay. 20%, 20 to 25% protein, lean protein. And when I say carbs, I wish it was like breads and like donuts and like delicious stuff like that. But it was a lot of like uh, brown rice and whole grain pastas and stuff like that. Yep. Um, and it was interesting because I had way more energy and the weight just melted off. I mean, I was drinking a gallon or two of water every day, and, and the weight just melted off of me. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. It's crazy it, how it was, <clears throat> there's proven ways to do that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. These guys would know. I mean, they've seen so many so many guys. Um, yeah. Dude, I can't believe this. It's already been an hour. I got to have a, a sales call in about two minutes. So I got to run, man. But as we uh, as we close down, what would you say are like some of the biggest lessons you learned from Iowa that you try to teach your guys now? Biggest lessons. Uh, the biggest one that I preach is, is having a positive mindset, um, having an outlook on life and your wrestling that's that's positive instead of negative. We had multiple people coming and talk to us, and the importance of positivity and training in, in your life is, pro in my opinion, the most important thing above nutrition, above intensity of training if you don't have a positive outlook on on what you're doing you're going to hate what you're doing if you don't have a positive mm -hmm. outlook on on things you're you're going to be down on yourself you're not looking for what you're doing well uh, and that's what i preach at, at eastern iowa is, is a positive mindset a positive outlook um to the point where if you need to, to write down positive thoughts five times a day that's something that, that they told us to do and i did it things you did well um training your brain to be positive uh, especially with youth guys that I coach and, and that you, they bump their head and they, they get, they start crying or anything. I tell them you got positive thoughts only in here. We don't have any negative thoughts, positive thoughts only. 
Um, and it seems like to that. help us. The guys, the guys seem to, to be buying into it. But that was something that made a big point, a big uh, changing point in my wrestling was, was having a positive mindset and a positive outlook on training, matches, um, school, sleep, life, anything, relationships, is positivity. I love it, man. We'll, we'll have to have you back on soon. Uh, let's, let's catch up soon. I got to I got to hop on this call, but man, great chat with you, and um, just wish you nothing but the best, brother. All right, man. Good talking to you. That's the end of this episode, but definitely not the end of the show. For more episodes, please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. Show the love, baby. Show the love. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Peace.